thank you for joining us today for Bible study. We have been going through every book of the Bible. We started out from the book of Genesis. You will not believe it, we are now in the book of Titus. So if you have your Bible, just open to the book of Titus. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Let me give you some introduction about the book of Titus. Sometimes that introduction will help you to have a big picture of what is going on. I'll tell you one of my own secrets. The reason why I can sit down in front of you and just talk freely from my heart, from my head, is because I studied that big picture so I know exactly where the Word of God is going. So it helps me to comprehend. It's like studying the tape of a, a sport before you come to the field. I want you to know there are some scriptures called pastoral letters. In other words, it was written by Apostle Paul to pastors. And the book we're going to study today is one of those pastoral letters. Uh, to be more specific, there are four pastoral letters in the Word of God. The first one is found in the book of 1 Timothy. All of 1 Timothy is pastoral letter. And then 2 Timothy is also pastoral letter. The third one is the book of Titus that we're going to be studying today. And then the last one is the book of Philemon. So those four pastoral letters are 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. Now if you recall when we were studying the book of 1 Timothy, the focus is about how a pastor should lead a church. Got it? <laughs> and then this, the book of 2 Timothy, the focus is about how a pastor should suffer for Christ. A true pastor knows that ministry involves not just leading. You have to learn to suffer with Christ. Paul wrote that all that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, but also in the fellowship of his sovereign. A true man of God, a true woman of God knows the part of the package. <laughs> I'm smiling because I'm having a flashback as I'm talking to you about it. Part of the package of being a man of God or a woman of God, it includes suffering. Then we get to the third letter, the book of Titus, which is what we're discussing today. It's about teaching, how a pastor should learn how to teach. These are very critical assignments for any pastor. So if you're a minister of the gospel, if you're a pastor, if you're an elder, you're watching me this evening, take note, those pastoral letters, 
The first one teaches you how to lead. Many pastors, they are called for sure. They can preach the gospel, but they don't know how to lead. As a result, the ministry cannot flourish. And then look at the second topic in the book of 2 Timothy that teaches a pastor how to suffer. One of the primary shortcomings in the body of Christ today, we have a lot of Christians who love the Lord, who enjoy praise, who enjoy worship, but they don't want to suffer. A little suffering, they run. A little scratch, they run. I've seen people literally leave the church because somebody talk about them. And I'm thinking, I wish they would know that part of Christian calling is suffering. In fact, one scripture was so sure about it. It says, if you suffer with him, you will also reign with him. There's a saying in America, no cross, no crown. A lot of people want crown, but they don't want a cross. But what the Bible is teaching you and me, I hear Jesus say, if any man will come after me, let him pick up his cross. You know, the cross is symbolic of suffering. Jesus said, if you're going to come after him, you know how you sing, I'm a friend of God. You know how you run your mouth, you see, I'm saved, I'm sanctified, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Good for you. <laughs> but you have to be prepared to suffer with him. And don't think it's a negative thing, because if you suffer with him, you will also reign with him. I can tell you, being a pastor myself, and I've been pastoring this church for 26 years, I can tell you it comes with suffering, but the reward is great. It's worth all the trouble. So as a pastor, not just pastor, as a regular Christian, you need to know how to lead, you need to know how to suffer, and in the book of Titus, which we're going to study today, you need to know how to teach. Can I take you a little side journey and testify about this community? See, I mean, this is between you and me. <laughs> you see, in 1995, when I came to central Louisiana, the first thing I noticed that was unusual was that there's a max exodus of black people going to white churches. Now, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong. In fact, there should be no black church, no white church, no, no, no Baptist, no Methodist, and all this, this distinction. But the reality is that, yes, there are Baptist churches. Yes, there are Methodist churches. Yes, there are Lutherans. There are Church of God in Christ. There are Holiness Church. There are Pentecostals. I mean, I can go on and on. We have all these differences. And I hate to admit, 
There are white churches and there are black churches. There are Korean churches, I mean, you, Hispanic churches. God is not intimidated by any of that. God is just glad that you are in the kingdom of God, worshiping him. But when I came in 1995, guess what happened? Well, I just told you, there was a lot of migration of people from black churches to white churches. I was concerned. I was just new in the city trying to figure out something is going weird here. What is going on with these black churches? Are they having problems? Are they whatever? So I was curious. So I studied the situation. And guess what I found out? It was very simple. A lot of the blacks back then, they were hungry for good teaching of the word of God. And many of them complained that a lot of the black churches back then they were not teaching the word. Instead, what they were doing is a lot of hooping and hollowing. They hoop a lot. Oh, Lord. I can do some of that myself. But the people wanted a whole lot more. There's nothing wrong with hooping. In fact, for some of us, is part of our culture. Uh, it's like cooking and you put some gravy on. <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with, with hooping. But if all you do is hooping all day and there is no substance to your preaching, there's no substance to your teaching, and you're just hooping and hollering, people will leave. And that's exactly what was going on. Now, I don't know if it's true or not, but it, the perception back then in the 90s was that a lot of black churches was not teaching the world. Many of them, they were just hooping and hollering. So people were leaving. So once I picked on that problem, so I studied the book of Titus, we Apostle Paul gave instructions on how to teach the Word of God, on what we should be teaching about. And so I purpose it in my heart that in my own ministry, I will make sure that I do a lot of teaching, actually more teaching than just hooping and hollow. See, I just gave you one of my secrets. And sure enough, the moment I began to teach the word of God, the church took off. So if you're a minister, if you're a Bible teacher, Sunday school teacher, church school teacher, or a parent, or whatever you are, let's all learn. Let's take heed from Apostle Paul. He's a pastor of all pastors. So he's, in this pastoral letter, he said, number one, you've got to learn how to lead. Number two, you've got to learn how to suffer. And number three, you've got to learn how to teach the Word of God. Teaching is very, very important in any ministry, in any church, 
in any home. Isn't it funny that the Bible says in Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 that people perish. Why? For lack of knowledge. Knowledge of the word of God is key, is, is primary for any church. In fact, I would go as far as saying, if you're a part of a church where there's no teaching going on, you might need to really talk to God and ask him if you really need to be in that environment. So the focus of the book of Titus is, to, is about teaching the word of God. All right? Please take note, ladies and gentlemen, that that book was named after a gentleman by the name Titus. So when you hear the book of Titus, it is named after a person, and his name is Titus. What is it about this man? See, I'm still giving you introduction to the book. <laughs> I told you you need to have a big picture of what's going on. It helps you to appreciate what you are reading in the Bible. Titus is a human being like you and me. He's a brother in the Lord. There are four things that can be said about him that you need to know. Number one, Titus was converted by Apostle Paul. You see, you're listening to me now, but if you look over your life, and you look back throughout life, at some point, God used somebody to speak the word of God in your life, and you became converted. Titus was just like that. He was converted during one of the crusades of Apostle Paul. The second thing you need to know about Brother Titus is that not only was he converted by Paul, Apostle Paul, then he became a disciple. I can stop there and preach all day because what's missing in many of our churches today, we have a lot of converts, but we don't have disciples. Hmm. Let that sink in. It's not enough for you to be saved and on your way to heaven. You have to purpose it in your heart to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. What does it mean to become a disciple? You remember how Jesus told his disciples when he recruited them. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Where many people want God to do great things through them. But guess what the problem is? They're not willing to follow him. What makes you a, a disciple, what makes me a disciple of Jesus Christ is when we choose purposely to follow Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul said, I am a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows what it is to be a disciple. So I'm not surprised that God rewarded him with many disciples also. I remember 
in my own life experience, I was the one that followed preachers around and carried their bag and cleaned their shoes and attend to them, bring them water, bring them drink. I never thought in my wildest dream that someday I would become a pastor myself. It never came across my mind. The biggest dream I ever had in the kingdom of God was just to play piano and sing. I love music. I enjoy music. I am a musician. And throughout my life, I lead choirs. I do a lot of things in the church. But being a pastor never came up on my radar. I never knew all those years that I was serving others, I never knew God was preparing me. Now today, now I find a lot of people who wants to help me in my own ministry. I mean, I could hardly do anything now. If I want to get a cup of water, somebody will say, Brother Pastor, I'll do that for you. I want to mow the lawn. Ah, Pastor, I get that. I want to go to car wash, Pastor. You keep studying the word of God. I'll take care of that for you. And sometimes I'll be having a flashback. I never thought that me being a disciple to others was preparing me to earn the right to have disciples in my life. Mr. Titus was not just a convert. He was not just a member of the church. He was a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and consequently a disciple of Apostle Paul. The third thing you need to know about our brother Titus is that he became a co-worker of Apostle Paul. I am telling you, you know, you ever heard the, the song, Serving the Lord Will Pay Off After a While? You ever heard the scripture that said, Don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you don't faint. If you don't hear anything else I have to say to you today, find you a spot in the kingdom of God to serve. When you take care of God's business, he is committed to take care of you. If you like me, you have children, the best way for God to help you, to help you raise your children, to lead them in the path of righteousness, to set them before green pasture, you start working for God. You can never outdo God. He said he will owe no, no human being anything. The more you do for him, he will top what you do for him by doing for you. So Titus became not just a convert, he became a disciple. Not just a disciple, he became a co-worker of Apostle Paul. People always commend our church here, Zion Hill, for a lot of things that's been accomplished. 
But can I be honest with you? I'm not the only one doing those work. <laughs> there are many people, some behind the scene that you never see. It takes those people plus more. Those are who we call co-workers. There are some people they are working on the parking lot. There are some people who are greeters. There are some people who are ushers. There are some people who work the sound system. There are people who work the media. As I'm talking to you now, I mean, you see my picture, but I cannot be on the picture and still take my picture. <laughs> you see, there are some people behind the scene who are working all the equipment. They have to produce it. They have to edit it. They, if I look ugly, they have to figure a way to make me look good. <laughs> I mean, ministry is amazing. There are people who just sing. There are people who clean. There are people who cook. Something was going on in, the, in our church yesterday. I just came to attend the meeting. Guess what? They, they bring me a plate of food. I said, what minute this? <laughs> Did I cook the food? No, I sure don't. Did my wife cook the food? No, she sure don't. But... There was food. You know why? Because there were some co-workers. Their own role in the ministry is just to cook, to feed people. Every Wednesday, when we come to church school, we feed young people. And even adults, anybody wants to eat, they get them fed. There are people who clean the floor. There are people, there are nurses and doctors who make sure that the building is sanitized, that the, that the building is clean. There's no room for COVID-19 or COVID-20 or COVID-whoever. I mean, we went through all that season. We never get a flood of people attacked by COVID. Why? Because there were people behind the scene making sure things are done. So Mr. Titus became not just a comfort, he became a disciple. Not just a disciple, he became a co-worker. In some church they would call it co-laborers. Are you still here? then there's something else you have to know in Mr. Titus' background. This is how you get blessed. That's why I'm telling you. Guess what? He became a traveling companion to Apostle Paul. You know you're going to be blessed. When you infested your life just, just traveling with the preacher, like me now, I go a lot of places. I have speaking engagement, preaching engagement. Guess what? When I'm going to these places, I never have to worry about driving myself. I never have to worry about my own reservation. Some people do all of that. There are administrative assistants. There are secretaries. Sometimes I don't even know where I'm going. <laughs> because... Somebody behind the scenes working all those details. And if, if it's somewhere I need to fly to, they book all my flight. If somewhere I need to drive to, I don't have to drive. I just need to get in the car 
and, and chill. Sometimes I'm sound asleep. I don't even know where they're going. Traveling companion. Just this week, I'm scheduled to go to somewhere in Mississippi. I think it's Jackson, Mississippi. Bless my heart. I don't keep up with all of them. I just study the word of God. I spend most of my time throughout the day praying. Searching through the scripture. Studying the word of God. Meditating on the word of God. Listening to heaven to speak to me. And many times the Holy Spirit will show me a panoramic picture of what's going on with my own congregation we are serve. That's how we figure out, okay, this is what I want you to preach this week. So being a traveling companion to Apostle Paul simply means he's carrying a lot of load that normally Apostle Paul would have been worried about. I have some people in my church here uh, There's a, a sister that told me one day, said, you know, Pastor, it blows my mind. When your kids were little girls, I remember I'm the one that would carry them to school. I said, yes, ma'am, I remember that. Guess what she was doing? I don't have to worry about, okay, how am I going to get the kids to school? How am I going to do this? She was doing all of that. And today, one of those kids is now her doctor, a medical doctor. And she just cried and cried and cried. I said, well, guess what? I'm not surprised that she's not charging you one dime <laughs> because you literally raised that little, little girl. So there's a joy in doing the work of the ministry. Find you a good man of God. Find you a good woman of God. Find you a bishop or whatever you call him or her in your church. And tap and bring your talents, your gifting to hold the hand of that man or that woman up. That's the way to win. When Joshua was fighting on top of the mountain, look, Moses held his hand up. And bless God, there were some people who were helping to hold that hand up because Moses was getting tired. Like me now, if you ask me to, to hold my hand up like this, uh, you know how we praise the Lord, the Lord is good, the Lord is great. I can, I can hang for about five, ten minutes, you know. <laughs> After ten minutes, you will see my hand getting tired, trying to come down. But there were some brothers who knew as long as his hand is lifted up, they're winning the battle. So they, they got something for him to sit on. They held his hand up. And as long as they held those hand up, Israel prevailed. They win. You know what I'm trying to tell you? The ministry of help to men of God, to women of God, it's a very serious ministry. I did it for 23 years of my life. In fact, I did not have a good understanding of what I was doing. There was nobody to really teach me that I'm making an, a serious investment 
in the kingdom of God, and God will reward me. To me, I was just doing it because it's the right thing to do. But oh, look who here. I thank God today for all the reward. Ladies and gentlemen, so that's the introduction to the book of Titus. It was named after the, the gentleman I just talked about. And one day, now let's talk about some more substance about this book. One day, Apostle Paul was traveling from Corinth to Rome. Just like I told you, I'm traveling to Mississippi in a few days. Guess what? Somebody, some deacon is going to drive me or somebody's going to feed me. I don't know. So, but I know I'm not going to starve. I know I'm not going to drive. So Titus was following Apostle Paul from Corinth to Rome. And then while they were traveling, the weather got bad. Sounds like normal thing to me. I've been there. Sometimes flights cancel. Sometimes uh, flight is delayed. Sometimes the weather is bad. We couldn't drive. All kinds of crazy stories. So when the weather got bad, guess what they did? They stopped in a little town in an island called Crete. That island is where they got stuck. And so because they couldn't proceed to Rome, Paul, a preacher is a preacher, instead of just sitting down, sucking his thumb, feeling sorry for himself, he said, look, let's just start preaching here. There must be a reason why we get stuck here. So he started to, to preach the gospel. And guess what happened? Some people were converted to Christianity. And you would not believe the story when Paul was eventually able to leave that little island. Guess what he did? Because they have new, new, new believers now. So he left <laughs> Brother Titus behind. He said, okay, son, uh, I got to go on. I, I got things to do. I got place to go. I got people to minister to. You stay right here in this island, and you pastor these people. Now you see, serving the Lord is quite amazing. And I can preach so much from, from that experience because sometimes, notice, they had no plan to be in that island, Crete. Sometimes God would, would divert your own plan to achieve his own plan. Are you listening to me? Oh, I wish I can testify. I had no, no desire whatsoever to live in central Louisiana. But God orchestrated it. The step of a good man, the step of a good woman are ordered by the Lord. I didn't know nobody in central Louisiana. The only thing I remember about central Louisiana, I'm glad my wife is watching this show because she was with me. 
We were living in Baton Rouge. I went to law school in Baton Rouge. And upon my graduation, I decided to do a postdoctoral work in Fayetteville, Arkansas. So the day we were moving, back then there's no GPS, you know, all you had was a, a map, a, a book. And I saw a highway, it's called Highway 71. You can catch the highway and travel all the way from Louisiana. It's one straight shot to Northwest Arkansas. Just to keep things simple, I said, that's where we're going. So, and then on that Highway 71, we have to pass through the city of Alexandria. That's the only thing I knew about Alexandria. And I remember when we got to Alexandria, somehow I got lost in the big circle. There's some signs there that say 71 North, 71 South. For whatever reason, I find myself just going round and round, trying to find, because I know we're, we're supposed to go North, 71 North, all the way to Arkansas. Because the sign was so unclear, and because that big circle there in, in, in Alexandria is the little, not the best setup. So I got so upset. Guess what I told my wife? I said, we'll never come back through this time ever again. Who would have thought the same place that I thought I would never come back again is where I would leave. And I've been here now for 27 years. You know what I'm trying to teach you? The Bible put it this way. It said, many are the plans of men, but it's the Lord's will that will prevail. Maybe you're going through some trials right now. Maybe you had a dream to go north and you find yourself in south. Maybe by now you thought you would be in Los Angeles or Chicago or New York. You want to be in big city, big time. Party over there, party over here. You got a plan. And you find yourself and it look like you are stuck. Again, I will tell you, God is ordering your steps. Who would have thought that I will be back at Central Louisiana. And the amazing thing is that when I finished my doctoral work in, North, in Northwest Arkansas, University of Arkansas, Fayetteville, my intention is to return back to Louisiana to Baton Rouge, where I know very well. My plan was to go and work for the Attorney General's office. And I applied for the job. In fact, I'm overqualified. You know. When I applied for the job, they said, there's no opening. We'd like to have you. You have good, impressive credential. So they advised me. They said, what you need to do is get into the state system. Take a job anywhere in the state, get in the system, and just within six months, there will be an opening here in Baton Rouge, and then we will just transfer you. It's an easy play. And that was the plan. 
Guess where there was an opening? Pineville, Louisiana. The very place I found never to come to. But I didn't mind it because it was just going to be for a few, few months. Within six months, I'll go get to my dream, my dream city, Baton Rouge. So I came. Strangely enough, when we, when we got here, a job opening became open in Baton Rouge, just like they told me. And I told my wife, I said, okay, this is our lucky day. Children, let's go to our dreamland, Baton Rouge. My wife, strangely enough, said, I like it here. I said, you got to be, are you crazy or something? <laughs> this is supposed to be a temporary fix. Here's the game plan. She said, you know, I like this place. They have good school in central Louisiana. The culture here is good. The people are nice. The crime rate is low. She said, honey, please, let's stay here. We'd have no, why do you want to be living in a big city when you got everything you need here? That's how God used her to convince me to be here. And now notice what God has achieved, accomplished through us, even though this place was not in the plan. You know why I'm telling you my testimony? Just to let you know God works in mysterious ways. Apostle Paul and Brother Titus, they were just passing through the island of Crete. And that ended up the place where they plant, plant a new church and now where Titus have to pastor. Oh, I can shout on that. Then the amazing thing, ladies and gentlemen, when Paul decided to leave Titus in that island, then he gave Titus three assignments. But before I tell you that three assignments, I want you to know a little bit about that island, that city, that small island called Crete. The island Crete is known for some bad thing, bad, bad thing. One of those things is violence. Are you listening to me? I want you to read that whole book. You will like what I'm telling you. Another thing they were known for is sex. Another thing they were known for is corruption. You know, it's amazing how powerful the word of God is. Will you believe those very things are troubled today in this neighborhood? It grieves my heart that central Louisiana, the place that my wife said we need to stay here because the crime is low. Because the people are good. And because they have good schools. Isn't it funny? 26, 27 years later, now we have crimes all over the place. 
People are shooting each other in the neighborhood. One journal just rated our beloved city, Alexandria, as the number one unsafe city for college students in the, in the nation. Another city called Monroe, Louisiana, made number four in the whole nation, in the USA. What a big ton of events. Ladies and gentlemen, why all the corruption? Why all the violence? Why are people changing spouse like they're changing clothes? Why is all these uh, uh, unwitting murders, all kinds of dropouts and runaway? I mean, I'm saying, whoa, what has happened to this beloved city? I want to challenge all of you listening to me. We need to do something about all what is going on here because it's nothing but the devil trying to attack our neighborhood. God is not pleased with a lot of what I'm saying here. You see a bunch of young people, it's like they have no direction, just wandering the street. Many of them end up in jail. I mean, it's just... The, the homes are broken and dysfunctional. The churches are not powerful. No impact, no effect. That is why Apostle Paul planted Titus in Crete. And he told him, he said, restore order in this island. I told you he was given three assignments. Number one, he said, this has become a big mess. Restore order. I studied that book carefully, and it's like God is speaking to my heart also. The tone of my ministry around here has turned, has become focused on restoring order and sanity in our community. You know what this Number two assignment he gave to Titus, he said, appoint elders. In other words, this will be too big for you only to do. Appoint elders all over the place. And then he talked about the qualifications of elders. I'm sure you know it. An elder must be sober. An elder must be full of the Holy Spirit. An elder must have good name. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. An elder must be qualified. Part of the problem we have now is that we have a lot of people trying to lead churches, trying to preach the, the gospel, but they're not qualified. The heart of God when you have wrong people trying to lead God's people. Anybody that will serve in ministry must be a man or woman of character. Don't turn me up. Anyone that will serve, 
that will do the work of the ministry. You have no business singing in anybody's choir if you cannot keep your pants up. Are you listening to me? You know there's so much perversion in ministry today. We have all kinds of people, fornicators, adulterers, and and gays, and lesbians, transgender, LGBT, TB, oh, it just goes on and on. Do you really think that's the heart of God? That is what Apostle Paul is asking Titus. He said, straighten all these things out. Establish order in this island. Well, you know what? Central Louisiana is my own island of Crete. Because you live here, Central Louisiana, Sinla, is your island of Crete. It starts with your own house. It starts with my own house. Let's straighten out this community for the glory of God. And guess what? When we begin to do it, all of heaven will come to our rescue. Apostle Paul gave Titus a list of things to teach about. His plan, let me say this because I'm taking too much time. I have to bring this to a conclusion. Do you know Apostle Paul's strategy for transforming a community? What I would call his plan for transformation of any city, of any, any parish, is very simple. He commanded Titus, get involved. Get involved in the community. One mistake that many Christians make they think because they're Christian, they're so too holy to get involved. But that's the exact opposite of Apostle Paul's strategy or strategy for transformation. Get involved in your city. Get involved in your town. Get involved in your parish. And whatever you see that is not right, come against it openly. Honestly, and whatever is good, embrace it, support it, celebrate it. But you have to get involved. You cannot win a football game unless you're in the field. You got to put on the jersey and get involved. You need to get involved in your school system. You need to get involved in your city. You need to get involved in, in leadership in politics, in business, in the community. I can go on and on. Get involved. And when you see something good, hallelujah, be right there to celebrate, applaud it. Thank God for, for politicians that are doing the right thing or, or superintendent of our school, uh, of our school system doing the right thing or whoever. Be there to say, yes, I'm with you. Then when you see anything that's not right, have the courage to speak out against it. 
That's the strategy that was given to Titus. It works like a charm. By the grace of God, that young man was able to transform the entire neighborhood of the island of Crete for the glory of God. See, before he came there, they were in religion. They were trying to tell people the only way you can be a Christian, they got to circumcise you, you got to think like a Jew, walk like a Jew, act like a Jew. He put an end to all those stupid tra traditions of men. And he preached Jesus. And he showed people how to live. Apostle Paul told him, be a model. Be a role model that people will look up to and say, when I grow up, I want to be like Brother Titus. That same God is speaking through your pastor today to encourage you to be the light of this world, to be the salt of the earth. May God bless you until we meet again. Amen.